When the angels had left them, brilliant lights turned to quiet darkness in an instant. Voices of the angel choir faded in the bleeding of the sheep in the night, and things returned to the way they were before. But the shepherds knew that everything in the world had completely changed. With the angels gone and the shepherds alone, their first thought was, we must see the Savior. Because when your ears have heard of him and your heart is open to him and your eyes, well, they must see him. When Jesus is your focus, even trudging through the darkness becomes a journey of delight. Shepherds running away, trudging along from the sheep in search of a lamb. What a strange but beautiful sight. Men whose arms had held sacrificial lambs now beholding the true lamb of sacrifice. No one could better grasp the weight of raising a sacrifice to bear the people's sin than these men. And yet their minds must have reeled him for us, the lamb of God given for the lives of men. And there he was, redemption, wrapped in a swaddling cloth. Just as the angels had said, they found him. Yes, but in eternal reality, he found them. Just a little congregation that stood at the manger, hearing the baby's cry. They were the first to hear the words made flesh, crying out into the world, and the word changed them. It always does. Their faith was made sight, and their hearts rejoiced. Imagine what it must have been like for the shepherds as they made their way home. Excitement, amazement, wonder, joy, all spilling out, mixing around, stirring up praises in a band of newborn believers. Returning to the field was normal, but rejoicing was brand new. I wonder if the sheep noticed a difference in their shepherds. The people they told all along the way surely did. So, what if we introduced this kind of new into our normal? What if we filled our field with rejoicing and glorifying and praising God because of all we've seen and heard of Jesus? This Christmas, we have the opportunity to renew our faith. To hear his word with revived fervor and rejoice with rekindled joy in the world. So let the joy spill out. Encourage his praises in others and let your faith change your field too. Don't forget, every field is filled with sheep who will definitely notice a difference and God will be glorified. Jesus, what a beautiful name. Songs have been written about his name. Many have cried out his name in times of trouble. We close out the prayers of our hearts in his name. Mary and Joseph, following the law, circumcised the baby boy on the eighth day. And at that time, they also followed the father's instructions to name him Jesus. 
When Jesus was about 40 days old, they brought him to the temple to present him to the Lord, because the law required a sacrifice for purification from a woman after she gave birth. When they arrived, they encountered someone who had been waiting for them for a very long time. In this passage, we see such individual details pounding and pointing to one man whose heart longed to see the Savior. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. God saw Simeon. An elderly man who was waiting with endurance and expectation. God promised Simeon that he would see the Messiah and God kept his promise. Simeon recognized the baby Jesus as God's promised one. As he held the Messiah in his arms, praising God and blessings to his parents, the Holy Spirit revealed to Simeon the purpose for Jesus' life and the plan by which salvation would come. Simeon spoke of the Gentiles and the Jews, that this child would be a light for all, joy and sorrow mixed together in his words as he pointed to the day when a sword would pierce Mary's soul as she would see Jesus suffer death for us. Certainly the prophecy of Simeon was painful for his mother to hear, yet this is why he came. This Christmas, are you waiting to see Jesus? Does your heart long to see the promise of God? Although we can't see his physical presence, we can see him in his word. He brings us comfort through his truth. And one day, we, like Simeon, will finally be privileged to see him. We won't hold a baby Jesus in our arms. No, we'll behold a victorious king, Jesus, who rules and reigns over all. Mary and Joseph, living under the law of Moses, carried the grace of God into the temple. Grace fulfilling law. Law lived out in grace. From the time God's fingers traced the Ten Commandments on the tablets of stone until the coming of the Savior, God's people were reminded how very far we all fall short of his holiness. Because we could never reach him on our own, God sent grace to get us. And in the form of a baby, he cracked the temple with his presence. And coming in that instant, Anna saw God's grace on display. The woman who had known the security of a husband for many years, for a short time rather, lived a life in security of God's care for many years. Daily she served him in the temple, denying herself and spending time with God in prayer. Night after night, she slept in her quarters on the temple grounds, waiting for the promise of God. Can you imagine her joy? As she came, just at the moment, Simeon spoke prophecy and blessing over the long-awaited Messiah. Anna's response to Jesus speaks to us of the response we should all have of Jesus. Thanks and glory. Her eyes beheld God's promise, and her heart overflowed with gratitude. Anyone who came into the temple looking for redemption heard about Jesus from Anna. We have the same opportunity. God's grace has allowed us to see Jesus in his word. With hearts full of gratitude, we can share with others 
the wonderful news that Jesus Christ, the Savior, has come. I invite your attention to Luke chapter 2. We'll briefly take a look at this passage on this Christmas Eve. It's where we started the night with our very first drama. As we think about that announcement, the one that, uh, that, that Mac and Sharon read to us about in the Advent reading, we consider as well this afternoon. Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. The first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, The time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. Verse 8. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly... There was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. A very familiar Christmas passage for us and one that I think is is worthy of our consideration this evening because we see these shepherds, they were God's kind of people. God could have gone to any group, but he chose to go to the shepherds. And when we think about the shepherds, we probably have an image of these gentle, soft-spoken young men singing songs by a campfire, right? Isn't that kind of the image that comes to mind? And in fact, we might see smiling shepherds walking around with a staff in hand, maybe kind of like these little shepherds on the screen, Um, minus the small-statured Spider-Man, of course, uh, among the shepherds. Um, those of you who are parents, you probably know the background of this. It's like, you're going to be in the play. I don't want to be in the play. You have to wear a costume. Okay, I'll, I'll wear a costume. And so you can see how this would happen. But anyway, we see the rest of the shepherds up there. And that's probably the image that comes to mind. But really, this was a, this was a hard occupation. This was a place where they were out away from the, the rest of the society. And they were, they were, they were hard-working people. In fact, they oftentimes would miss the holidays and the feasts because they were out in the fields doing their job, just hearing the celebration in a distance. But you wouldn't expect a great deal, would you? To take place where shepherds were tending just a few sheep. Yet we read that the angels first go to share their news with shepherds. And I find this interesting because, again, the shepherds weren't the movers and shakers of the day. They weren't the influencers of the age. 
the birth of the Messiah was coming. Why not make the announcement to quote-unquote important people, right? After all, God could have sent his angels anywhere. He could have sent them to Rome. That's where, that's where policy and diplomacy was being hammered out. Or he could, have, he could have sent them to Athens where the, the philosophers and the sages of the day gathered to speak about truth. Or he could have sent them to Jerusalem. And he could have talked, they could have talked to the religious leaders of the day about where the Messiah would be born. But it wasn't Jerusalem. And it wasn't Athens. It wasn't Rome. It was to this group of, of shepherds that were right outside the city of Bethlehem. And it reminds us that sometimes what we consider to be the most important matters on this earth might very well be considered insignificant in heaven. And yet in other times, what we might consider insignificant on the earth is indeed very significant in heaven because that's what's being displayed for us in this passage. These humble shepherds, they are the first people to hear the announcement of the birth of Jesus Christ. They go quickly to Bethlehem. And they are the first ones that get to see him. And in this account, we discover the heart of God. We see the meaning of the birth of this child. And we are reminded that Jesus came for people just like the shepherds. Not the political savvy, not the, not the religious elite, not the rulers of the world. But these shepherds become the symbol for the kind of people Jesus came to save. Not only were they the first ones to hear the message of Christ's birth, but they also serve as a reminder that Christ came to be a shepherd himself. In fact, I think one of the most famous Psalms is Psalm 23. And what does it say? It says, the Lord is my shepherd. Again, an image and a picture of one who cares for the needs of of another. Jesus, in fact, would describe himself in John chapter 10 when he would say in verse 11, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd. This is the Christ in whom we worship tonight. And we see that the good shepherd, our second point, is demonstrating God's kind of care. I don't know if you saw the news earlier this week, but there was a, a discovery made of an ancient shipwreck right off the coast of Caesarea, the town of Caesarea in Israel. And Caesarea had been an important uh, commercial hub. There was a lot of commerce that would, that would flow through that port city. And they found a, a sunken ship going all the way back to the third century. And they, they have uh, displayed all kinds of coins and jewelry and other artifacts that came out of this. But one of them was a ring, a, 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 an ancient ring that has been discovered, it's been cleaned up, and it's interesting because it is known as the Good Shepherd Ring. And again, it was just discovered this last week. It was a rare find because it had the image of Jesus as the Good Shepherd on the face of the ring. And we're, we're talking about back in the 200s, Back before Christianity had really flourished and grown worldwide, it was, it was a, a small group of people, oftentimes who would, who would even gather together for worship in a time in which it was illegal. Because in the Roman Empire, it wasn't until 313 that the edict from Constantine would legalize Christianity. And so if you, if you look at the close-up there, you can see this picture of a, of a shepherd. 
And it was like the one who wore this ring was, was being reminded that even though they lived under the tyranny of Rome, even though they didn't in that time have the freedom to worship and gather outwardly, they would gather in this underground way and they would be reminded that Jesus was indeed their good shepherd. John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. Maybe we can relate today. We have seen shifts happening in our own culture. The Bible is no longer viewed as the, the dominant source of truth. Within the world today, within our culture today, it's no longer viewed as authoritative. And those who hold to the view of the Christian faith many times have been marginalized to some degree in the public square. We've seen unfair and inaccurate descriptions of evangelical Christians that, that are now trending. And so just like our brother and sister who lived in the 200s and wore this ring, we tonight can be reminded that in Jesus, we also have a shepherd, a good shepherd. In our Advent book, if you've been following along uh, this Advent season, in our Advent book, Miraculous, we were reminded in a recent reading that the role of the shepherd was fairly comprehensive. And maybe tonight you've come in and, and you look around the world and you see the brokenness or you see the, the fear that is, that is again crippling so many within the world today because of a pandemic. And maybe you're saying we for sure need a shepherd. Well, here's what we read in our book, that a good shepherd cares for his sheep by providing everything that's needed, by finding the perfect place for rest, by offering refreshment and restoration, by walking through danger with his sheep, realizing that he never leaves us or forsakes us. He is the one that provides comfort in times of fear and distress. He protects from the enemy, and he gives his blessing upon his sheep with tender mercy and care. And so, again, for many of us tonight, this may be exactly the reminder that we need, that Jesus came to be the good shepherd. It gives us a picture of his character and of his nature to come and care for his own. In fact, in Matthew chapter 11, he gives this invitation. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. And he describes it by saying, you will find rest for your souls. In these ancient words, we are seeing the application to a modern problem. We see so many today that are, that are struggling under the weight of what is happening. And yet we have a shepherd that says, you don't have to be all alone. You don't have to shoulder this burden by yourself. I have come. I was born in a manger. I was born to be a savior. I was born to be a shepherd. And come to me, all of you who are weary. Isn't that a great invitation from the good shepherd? Maybe this Christmas Eve you've come in and you might not be wearing a good shepherd ring like the one we saw, this emblem of the good shepherd on your hand. But you can certainly draw near to him and experience the wonderful promise of his care. Can I ask you tonight, do you belong to Jesus? Have you drawn close to him to receive him as, as your Savior, your Lord, your good shepherd? Or have you tried to navigate the brokenness of this world all alone? 
You see, we've seen thus far that the shepherds are God's kind of people, meaning that that he comes to everyone. Everyone is able to draw near to him. We've seen, secondly, that the good shepherd is a picture of the kind of care God wants to provide for us. And let's conclude by considering the rest of John chapter 10, verse 11. He says, I am the good shepherd. But that's not the, the totality of the verse. It goes on to say, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Some of us might be saying, wait a minute. Earthly shepherds might protect their flock, but give up their lives? That's going and taking things to the next level. And we see that the shepherd, Jesus Christ, is also a lamb. And he is God's kind of sacrifice. You see, our shepherd, Jesus, did something absolutely unique. And that the shepherd became a lamb. John the Baptist said in John chapter 1 that, that he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. We remember back that in Old Testament times, there was a sacrificial system. And sheep were brought to altars. They were, they were sacrificed. And, and they did this for centuries, foreshadowing. That one day, a Savior would come who would give his life, who would shed his blood for the sins of the world. And Jesus, the good shepherd, is that lamb. He is the spotless, perfect lamb who shed his blood. In fact, that's one of the reasons why we selected red and white as part of this year's Christmas decor. As we learned in the first week of Advent, that that these colors remind us of the holy life of Jesus as well as his sacrificial death. Why was it needed? Because sin has separated people from a holy God. Sin deserves a penalty. That penalty is death. And it was the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep. Tonight, we celebrate the birth of the Savior, Jesus Emmanuel. We are amazed by the fact that he came to dwell with us. As we stand gazing at the manger tonight, we can't help but see the shadow of the cross. You know, the miracle of his birth wasn't the only miracle of Jesus' life. He went on to live a miraculous life as he moved in his deity and his humanity. He healed the sick, raised the dead, and accomplished all the work the Father sent him to accomplish. Yet all the while, he experienced the physical limitations of living in human flesh. He grew weary, got thirsty, was hungry, and cried real tears. He faced temptation from the enemy and did what none of us could ever have done. He triumphed over that temptation completely. He lived a life that was totally without sin, and yet he came to pay the price for our sin. So he set his face like a flint toward Jerusalem, and there he gave his life for ours. There he was crucified on a Roman cross. There he bore the sin 
of the world. And he breathed his last, accomplishing everything that he had come to do. Jesus was buried in a borrowed tomb. But on the third day, he rose again, defeating sin, defeating death, defeating the grave. Jesus is alive, and he's seated at the right hand of God the Father. And his victory can now be our victory. Because he was victorious, we can be victorious also. We can give him our sin, and we can accept his free gift of eternal life. And we can do exactly what the shepherds did that night. They met the Savior. We can tell everyone that we know that Jesus, the Messiah, has come. Let's share the miraculous story of Christmas of, of Jesus. Jesus.